0: Welcome back to Space Castle. It is your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. My name is DT.
1: My name's Alex in a non-syncopated way.
2: <laughs> and my name is William Shatner. No, it's that. <laughs> Surprise! It's me. Oh, I really thought it was William Shatner. I thought he stowed aboard the Space Castle. Yeah, sorry. I, speaking of which, I saw an interview recently. Uh, maybe it was a Wired auto- autocomplete interview or something where William Shatner reviewed... Impersonation, like impressions of himself. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, dude, it was fucking hilarious. Like the whole time he was like, "I don't talk like this. Why does everybody think I talk like this?" <laughs> it was so
1: funny. I love that though. Those one, those the same ones as the Jeff Goldblum uh, does the tattoo reviews. Yeah, which was my one of my favorite videos of.
0: That was excellent. Yeah, that yeah. stuff
1: is is great. Yeah. For clarification, we've got William Shatner as William Shatner, not as Captain Kirk. We've just got Shatner.
0: Yeah, we just got Shatner. <laughs> there's really no difference, though. I mean, he is fucking James Kirk. Like,
2: yeah, fair point. <laughs> we have Shatner as the the Travelocity spokesperson. What was it? Is it Travelocity? What was it? it wasn't Travelocity. It was um. Oh fuck. Was, I No, there's something with an O. I think right.
0: I can hear the uh, Priceline negotiator. Was that a different service? That yeah, was he. No, was he not. both? Because <laughs> he was the Priceline negotiator. <laughs> yeah. And then he might have been Travelocity after, or he might have been double-dipping that sly son of a bitch.
2: <laughs> Who does he think he is? The the can-you-hear-me-now guy? <laughs> uh, right. It's, it was, it's Priceline,
1: yeah. Priceline.
0: Priceline, Priceline negotiator. negotiator. That's
1: not the Shatner, is it? I thought we had the Shatner from Fanboys, which is just Shatner.
0: I, <laughs> the <look>. Shat.
1: <laughs> this
0: <Sh-ner>.
1: is... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Let's... Let's
2: move on to something else. I don't like shitting on Shatner. We'll get back into commercials at some
0: point. Shitting on Shatner is now the title of this episode. It's completely fucking irrelevant to the topic we're going to talk about. I don't care.
2: No, I love William Shatner, though. He's the best.
0: He's apparently like a notorious fucking dickhead, but I still is he? love him. I, would, I actually would totally believe that. Uh, apparently, George Takei hates him. So
2: Interesting. I, I mean, I I generally side with George Takei in most of his opinions, so like,
0: <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, George Takei just seemed like a pretty good moral compass. So yeah, I, in the war between the two aging Star Trek, like stars, I would probably have to decide with George Takei.
2: Yeah, if I if I had to choose, I would side with Takei. Yeah, my gut says
0: George. Yeah, yeah,
1: yep. I don't refer to either. I just look up Leonard Nimoy quotes.
0: Yeah, I mean Nimoy was like them. he was the pinnacle. He
1: was definitely great. Did you guys see that documentary about his life? By the way,
0: which one?
2: Um, the most recent one is I think it was just called Being Spock. Oh, it was for the love of Spock, is what it was. For the love of Spock.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. It was great.
2: That one was so good. I really liked that they got his his children in there. That was it was really nice. Yeah, it was really cool. He's a good doc. I like good documentaries, man. He also was a notorious asshole too. So
0: Nimoy. Yeah. He was also, weirdly enough, a huge sex symbol in the sixties and seventies. Oh, why did you say weirdly enough? Have you seen because him? Because for whatever reason. <laughs> people fetishized spock and women were really fucking into that that
2: one is the the spock aspect's a little weird but like did you see like his like outfits when he went on like
0: talk shows and stuff in in the 60s and 70s did you ever hear his album where he sang about bilbo the hobby i did fucking sex symbol absolutely <laughs> like this guy is
2: obvious <laughs> you know what it is is like he has the air of like someone who you didn't know was a sex symbol but he knows he's a sex symbol <laughs> you know what i mean
0: yeah Absolutely. Yeah, like Skylar on Omega Star 7.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck are we talking about?
0: (laughs) I mean, we're already down a nostalgia train, and I'm already feeling it. And I am somebody who, uh, for better or for worse, I'm a major fucking sucker for nostalgia. And I'm always in that 80s and 90s state of mind. And something that always keeps cropping up in the back of my mind is Saturday morning cartoons. That was a big fucking deal for me. I was born in 1983, so I literally grew up in the absolute golden age of Saturday morning cartoons, and I've been wanting to talk about that on this podcast. I want to talk about what happened to them, why they ended, which ones were the best, and I just want to, I just want to pour myself a bowl of Captain Crunch with chocolate milk, because fuck it, I'm eight years old again and just roll around in that warm blanket of nostalgia, if you guys are willing to jump in that blanket with me. Now I just made it weird.
2: Yeah. Can we <laughs> can we change it to like a bunch of beanbag chairs in a room instead?
0: In a theater room instead of...
2: Yeah, I would roll around in, in beanbag chairs.
0: How about a blanket fort lit with Christmas lights? There it is. You nice. did it. All right. You got okay. there. Yep. With, the, all right. with
2: an SNES on the floor with your CRT that you pulled off the table and set on the floor to fit in your blanket See? fort. Yep. I'm, in, mm-hmm. I'm there.
0: I'm all, I'm all warm and fuzzy yeah, right now. we're there. Oh. We're in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. So Saturday Morning Cartoons. It was a thing. It was an institution for you know, decades before I grew up. But like I said, I grew up in the absolute pinnacle. I had Batman, the animated series. I had Spider-Man. I had X-Men. I had Thundercats when I was a baby. Oh. I had Bucky O'Hare. I had Animaniacs. <laughs> I had Ninja Turtles. Like You could not pick a better era to be a child than the 80s and 90s. And I miss Saturday morning cartoons desperately because I'm still somebody who, despite the fact I'm 38 years old, I still enjoy cartoons. I still fucking love them. Who doesn't? Everybody does. Exactly. Yeah. I don't trust people that don't like cartoons. Absolutely. But it got me thinking about, like, wide ended. Like, what was the cutoff point? Because there was a, a very stark and distinct point in my childhood where Saturday morning cartoons were just not there anymore. It wasn't like a gradual, like, like roll off. It was like, hmm. no more Saturday morning cartoons Play Nintendo or go outside.
2: I have a I have a similar cutoff in my memory, but it's not because Saturday morning cartoons weren't there. It's because I started skating. So I spent all of my Saturday mornings outside skating. Sure. And just abandoned the cartoons.
1: Well, it's just like anything that you're nostalgic for. You you sort of have at one point, you grow out of it and then you come back to it, which is mm-hmm. where the nostalgia comes comes to it. And I think for, for me, at least, I think part of it was the technology and the way that programming was starting to disappear because- syndication was still popular until the 2000s but you got to a point where things started to taper off but my interest in those shows became elevated and i think the the core group of people who really love saturday morning cartoons they continued to grow up and they were more interested they were interested in different different types of cartoons Yeah. now i still like want, going back and watching you know an episode of hey arnold or something but hey arnold
2: i literally cannot wait to get into the nostalgia portion of this episode because I look, I, I like Hey Arnold so much that I've added a custom home environment to my Oculus quest so that I I've like, seen it. I've been in that shit. I just I love am too, hanging yeah. out in Hey Arnold's apartment or I guess it's his room, whatever. It's close enough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They didn't say anything. They just put me in this, Uh, environment and i was like seth i recognize this place he was like you i know you know what it is (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah so yeah seth fired up his oculus headset he puts it on my head and i immediately hear yeah and i'm like you (laughs) motherfucker sorry not sorry (laughs) amazing not at all no It's
1: it's wild to be to think about because you because there's multifaceted reasons to be like nostalgic for 90s cartoons, but you, you've got you have the music, you've got the, the animation styles, you've got the like voice acting, you've got, I mean, hell, even the commercials. I, I find myself talking about 90s commercials so much more than any other form of advertisement.
0: Yeah. So Alex is a fucking genius when it comes to foreshadowing because he's touched on two major plot points in this episode and two things I really want to talk about when it comes to the unfortunate and very sudden demise of Saturday morning cartoons syndication. And commercials. Let's, let's get into it. Let's do it. So, Saturday morning cartoons up until, like, the early 90s, and even towards the late 90s, were, like, the fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd get up early on Saturday mornings, you would watch your cartoons, you'd play some video games, and you go and you hang out with your buddies after lunch and talk about all the fucking things you just saw in those cartoons. Like, what happened with X-Men? What happened with Spider-Man? Like, what was the funniest bit on Animaniacs? Like, that was, like, the social hub. Like, it was like, how you connected with kids on Saturday mornings while you're playing. And... As they tend to do, the government fucked it all up. Classic. Yeah. So in 1990, the U.S. Congress enacted the Children's Television Act, which worked to limit the amount of advertising during children's shows. Because, like, fucking assholes like Tipper Gore and motherfuckers like that, they thought it was dangerous that Saturday morning cartoons were being used as a device and a vehicle to sell cereals and action figures to kids. First of all, I say fuck you, because I fucking love those cereals and those action figures, yep. and I miss all that shit from my childhood desperately. I'm split on that one. I mean, it's, it's a little morally ambiguous to be advertising to kids, but... I'm
2: definitely against advertising to children, for sure.
0: But it was shit we wanted. Yeah. I mean, it was like yeah. <laughs> He-Man action figures and Captain Crunch cereal. It's like, we were going to ask for that shit anyway. But all you did was just hype us up and give us storylines, which we could then transfer onto our toys when we were playing. Like it was, it was symbology. Symbol? No, that's not the word. Synergy. Synergy. <laughs> pick, <laughs> pick another was, one. Keep going. You want to? You want to talk <laughs> right, about right, right. corporate synergy?
2: The more they hype up those products, the more unwieldy you will be if your parents don't buy them. So they're just gonna sell more and more products.
0: So we're we're getting to that too. Yeah. So. At this point, when uh, the Children's Television Act was passed in 1990, networks were required to air at least three hours of educational programming a week. So this was the first step towards killing it because, and they were also limiting the amount of advertising hours that they were allowed to show children. So the fact that cartoons are really expensive to mass produce and to put out on like a seasonal basis, what was subsidizing those, what was funding them was the commercials and the action figure sales and stuff like that. So if you are no longer able to advertise during the, these cartoon shows, so the action figures and the cereals and the sleeping bags and the lunch boxes, these shows became less and less profitable, which caused the networks and the studios to become less inclined to produce them. So networks were required to air at least three hours of educational programming. And because these cartoon shows were so expensive to create, and because they were becoming less and less profitable, these networks were like, hey, let's take out all the expensive cartoons that are no longer able to make money because the government screwed us, and let's just throw all that educational programming at 8 o'clock in the morning where nobody's going to fucking watch it anyway.
2: Yeah, that actually made me so mad because I I was a huge fucking fan of the educational programming sections. Like That's where we got Reading Rainbow and fucking bill nye the science guy and yeah, wishbone man. do you remember wishbone of course that was all that was those were products of the educational requirement and those are fucking great those were excellent shows
1: magic school bus miss frizzle
0: fucking miss frizzle that awakens some shit in me yeah <laughs> redheads dude yeah i don't want i don't
2: want to talk too much about <laughs> it uh lest we derail this podcast about fucking miss frizzle anyways do you guys remember Gullah Gullah island
0: yeah okay mm-hmm. it was terrible but i remember it i was a little too old for it when it came out but yeah dude i bet i still remember the theme song
2: it's there somewhere that might be a bet i'm i have to t- to wager and let's play together <laughs> <laughs> oh my in the something, <laughs> something weather you never cease to let's disappoint. all go to
0: Gola, go to Gola Gola island. island just take your foot in your hand that means hurry up to all the good things that we planned yeah well it's, i'm kind of there anyway. i'm impressed
2: <laughs> i'm i'm incredibly impressed <laughs> What's it like to
0: have a memory that good? I could really use it. I carry a lot of burdens.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Most of them theme songs from 90s cartoons.
0: Nostalgia is really fucking rough because I have such a memory where I'm like transported back. Like I know the first time I saw that ridiculous fucking episode of Spider-Man was Shocker, where it's like the symbiote era Mm -hmm. of the Spider-Man cartoon where he's like chasing fucking shockers through the Bell Tower. And he's like, shocker! And like, <laughs> I'll chase you to the edge of the earth! Like, just that ridiculous shit. And then going out afterwards and playing in the apartment complex with my my best friend Jared at the time, talking about Spider-Man and how fuck shocker, fuck that guy.
1: <laughs> to circle back to the, the advertising thing for a minute, I feel like it's all part of it. The toys is part of the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. going to your friend's birthday partying and being like, oh, I saw that in a commercial after you know whatever insert show here like gargoyles and i I really wanted it and now i get a chance to like play test it without my parents buying it and i'm gonna go back and be like i need it right i think i think you're (laughs) totally right man the
2: commercials are definitely part of the whole thing for me and i I mean i think that's that's how it is for most people too because like that you've got 90s commercial compilations on youtube that have like dozens of millions of views like the commercials were almost as much a part of the whole experience as the shows themselves.
1: Well, I think the, the mindset behind it is is inherently political, which is why it ended up being li- like people got litigious about it. Yeah. At the end of the day, like you're advertising to children who can't purchase things for themselves. Like some people would say if they make money from an allowance or they make money mowing lawns, they should be putting that into a piggy bank and then not looking at it until they're 18. When in reality, that's like, what are they going to make? A hundred bucks? When I made like $10 because I mowed somebody's lawn I went and bought Pokemon cards because that's what I was watching on Saturday morning. It brought me so much joy because what did I do when I went to to school? I was trading Pokemon cards and we were playing games. It's all part of the experience. So Mm -hmm. like, yeah.
0: That's the thing though. And that's the double-edged sword. And that's why Congress enacted the Children's Television Act and blah, blah, blah. It's because it was manufactured that way very brilliantly.
2: Yeah, because it's pure manipulation and the whole point of it is so that you feel that way. Like that's, that's the problem is you don't, children do not have the mechanisms to distinguish when they're being advertised to.
0: Well, it's not only that, it's like Mattel wanted to do an action figure line of like strong, heroic, like comic book heroes. And they're like, well, let's do fucking He-Man. It's like, okay, well, how are we going to, how are we going to sell this? Like we can sell the action figures. We need something to do. Like... It's like, well, let's do a comic book. Kids will buy the comic book. They'll read the comic book. They'll buy the action figures because they'll be hyped up on the comic book. Let's take it a step further. Let's make it a fucking cartoon that kids will watch when they come home from school. They'll watch that shit. They'll get all amped up. And then we'll advertise the action figures in the commercial breaks. So you're watching this cartoon. You're all fucking amped up on the fucking lasers and the Fucking Skeletor and all the vehicles and shit. <laughs> and then a commercial pops on. It's like, holy shit, I can buy Skeletor and I can buy Panthor. Like I can buy Snake Mountain. Like I can have that shit that I'm loving so much in tangible form and play with it and make my own stories up. It was fucking brilliant, but it was manipulative as fuck. Devious.
1: Coming from somebody who does advertising, like th- that's just placements. That's what you're looking at. The, for- the format has changed, but like I'm still making display ads that are targeting particular products and they're just going onto websites, which are just internet billboards. Mm-hmm. And am I allowed to advertise towards specific people? No, the age ranges that I'm allowed to target don't mention anyone under the age of 18 Yeah, because that's you know that's manipulative and I, I agree that that shouldn't be happening. But at the same time, I'm putting it on their parents' computer, which they're probably using. There are ways that you can limit your targeting so that it's not being manipulative, which is something that I make sure to do whenever I'm creating a campaign. But this is, I don't know. I, I didn't mind being advertised to, especially when it came to
0: those things. Like I loved it, man. It's because cause you're a kid. Of course you loved it. It's content. <laughs> I still love being advertised to when it's shit I want. Like, God, how many fucking YouTube videos did I watch on a PlayStation 5 until I finally got one? I still watch the fucking YouTube videos from NECA, the action figure company, whenever they, they put out new like TMNT action figures and shit. When it's something I'm interested in, I still love being advertised to. I want to see. That's why we all fucking love E3 and whatnot. Like we love being advertised to.
2: E3 is uh, not a thing anymore because people don't like to be advertised to. Fuck that! <laughs> no, it became too
0: expensive because it became more viable to do everything live and like do it on YouTube and whatnot and not put on a trade show. But
2: uh, well, no, they were they're in the decline for a few years. But we can talk about trade show problems at uh, some other time. I think the difference is it's not being advertised to you. It's you watching an advertisement specifically like fair. It, yeah. Granted, the content is almost certainly less advertised than a commercial, but still like you doing it. It's not on
0: passively that you, it's not being fed to me and I'm not being manipulated as a child. It's something I'm actively right, right, right. seeking out because I'm interested in. I get you. I get you.
1: But it's, I remember that being, I mean, Pokemon's my example because it was so holistic, especially when I was like seven or eight when, the first games dropped and I remember vividly many of my childhood memories being related to Pokemon when I I opened my first pack of cards and got a holographic Blastoise which is now worth like $850 so screw putting money in my piggy bank Um, (laughs) I bought that shit for myself and now I've got something worth about 20 times as much.
0: Packs, you're going to college. You're going to college
1: (laughs) it's just gotta be a JC and you have to have a scholarship
0: (laughs) you're still going to college
1: (laughs) um and and i remember uh my first trades with my friends i remember like i went to a blockbuster and saw pokemon blue and because i just pulled the blastoise and i was like i need this and it was one of the first times that my parents said and i think it was specifically my mom said that i had like come to her and said like this is the thing that i want you to purchase for me now not like hey in the future or during christmas or for my birthday or whatever it was like I need I need this. And it was a decision that I had made. And it was like, okay, yeah, did I get advertised to whatever? <laughs> I think it lit a fire under me. You know? It sure. made me a little bit more uh, involved in my community, you know, with the trading. Are aspect. you trying to, to Look, say that advertising
2: <laughs> is equal to community service? Because no,
1: no. Are
2: you saying Pokemon made you a better person? Yes. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I agree with you at that point for sure. <laughs>
1: No, I mean, yeah, what, what, what did I do for my eighth birthday then? We all went and saw Pokemon the movie 2000. I just hey, aged
2: myself. A movie that was way better than it had any right to be.
1: <laughs> and it was one of my favorite birthdays growing up, like even into my, my teen years. Looking back, I was like, that was amazing. Got all my friends. We went to the arcade. We played Gauntlet on the cabinet. And then we, Dude. And then we went to the movie theater.
0: Fucking Gauntlet
2: gauntlet i have very fond memories of standing in in a peter piper pizza playing gauntlet dark legacy with one of my friends
1: <laughs> i think that saturday morning cartoons sometimes comes down to age ranges too when i think back at them i i always think about pokemon first because it was probably the biggest for me but also different age ranges that i was in it kind of shifted gears because pokemon sort of phased out for a bit when Yu Gi Oh came up and then after that kind of died out uh for me and i got kind of over it i moved on and that was right around the time that like um I was, you know, off doing skating or, or other things. And then I remember coming back to cartoons with ATLA. So <laughs> I don't know. But when we're talking about Saturday morning cartoons, when I think about that very vivid memory of opening my door, walking down the stairs directly to the giant CRT that we had that was like 20 years old and sitting down in my pajamas eating my bowl of cereal. I think about like. You think about Pokemon. I think about Pokemon. I think about um, Pinky in the Brain. I think about yes. the Mighty Ducks. I have
2: fond memories of uh, Legend of the Hidden Temple in that same vein, too, which is yeah. not a cartoon, but damn, that's a good one.
0: Okay, so that brings me to one final point about the, you know, the finality of Saturday morning cartoons. So you had the fact that Congress passed a bill which said they had to limit the advertising to kids. They also had to uh, promote educational shows, which replaced those because cartoons were no longer profitable. You had the networks who sold the space to syndicated TV shows like Saved by the Bell and shit like that. Because the shows were already made. All you had to do was pay the rights to play the syndicated shows. You got that instead. And you also had networks who started to fill the space with stuff like sports and news shows. Because like college football games, early college football games, were way more profitable because you had to purchase the rights to broadcast them. But it was still cheaper than producing a cartoon season. Because that shit is fucking expensive.
2: Cartoons are one of the more expensive things to produce. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But... The last thing that actually helped kill Saturday morning cartoons, and it's, again, a double-edged sword, is the fact that cable TV was on the rise. Mm-hmm. So you had networks like Nickelodeon, and you had networks like Boomerang and Cartoon Network who were coming up and were producing super high-quality shows. And what happened was the novelty of all those really like dope, awesome Saturday morning cartoon shows all being on Saturday mornings was gone because you could now watch really good cartoons anytime you wanted. Yeah. So that was the last nail in the coffin. That was like the linchpin. That was like the final death rattle of Saturday morning cartoons was the fact that really good high quality cartoons were now available on cable whenever you wanted. So you no longer had to get up at six o'clock in the morning on Saturday mornings. You no longer had that as your hub for all your cartoon consumption. You had this buffet of cartoons whenever you wanted it. And that effectively was the end of Saturday Morning Cartoons.
2: You know what's interesting about that is your description of your Saturday Morning Cartoons, talking about episodes with your friends and its social hub, that was not my experience with Saturday Morning Cartoons. However, that was my experience with cable network cartoons, uh, Cartoon Network and and your Nickelodeon. Because they were still on a schedule. It just wasn't Saturday mornings. It was like, you know, primetime TV time. It was like 7 p.m. or whatever, right? All of my most fond like cartoon memories are about those cartoons, not about Saturday morning
0: cartoons. I am a little bit older than you guys, and like I said, I grew up in the absolute golden age. I was 9 when Batman the animated series first aired on like September 7th of like 1992 or some shit. That's actually the correct date. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you look at Notes. Yeah. They all... I actually know that date. Nice. But uh, no, it's... It, I grew up in the golden age where that was, that was my cartoon consumption. And it was... Like I said, it was the social hub for being uh, a grade school kid in the early 90s was... Mm-hmm. You talk about video games and Nintendo and SNES and shit like that, but you, you go home on a Friday night, you watch TGIF, Full House and fucking Family Matters and shit on ABC... Uh, you guys probably aren't familiar. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah. I'm but familiar, was- but I didn't. That was not my experience. I watched a ton
1: of a
2: ton of that in syndication. I have very very fond memories of your Hey Arnold's, your Pinky and the Brains, the Freakazoid, your yes. Gargoyles, all. But none of that was Saturday. Almost none of that was Saturday morning. It was all in syndication on network TV.
0: Yeah, see, I was watching that shit. It was as it was airing originally on Saturday mornings. Gargoyles was different. Gargoyles and He Man heat man was one of the first original cartoons of that era to ever go straight into syndication after school hmm. gargoyles was the same way so gargoyles was on uh i can't remember the network now Probably like abc but it was like a three o'clock in the afternoon type thing uh as opposed to saturday morning cartoons but yeah you you experienced all those shows in syndication and you love them i experienced them on saturday mornings as they aired week to week which is crazy
1: it's fascinating we still had to worry about programming though like at the I don't remember getting direct TV until I was like, well into the teens and we could, like we, we could figure out when it was going to be on. Like I had it, I had timers set for when my favorite shows were going to be on. And I was just praying that it wasn't, you know, we were going to get another episode instead of 700 club because, uh, that always popped up
0: (laughs) fucking 700 club, man. And as I was a kid, that shit started airing earlier and earlier and cutting more and more into that that Saturday morning cartoon block because they were trying to fill that time because it wasn't profitable anymore. Yeah. You know what's interesting
2: is, well, okay, first, I was literally about to dive into some real deep existentialism shit, and I have apparently abandoned that because I can't remember what I was going to say. Philosopher
1: Seth. (laughs) Does he have a jingle now? Nobody told me he has a theme song. Oh, I'll work on it, along with a rap from our pregame <laughs> I also when you when you said earlier the 90s state of mind I immediately thought of empire state of mind and how somebody needs to make a 90s state of mind
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> one's over
1: my head I don't get it
0: eh, don't it's worry about like, it jay-z anyway guys what were your favorite saturday morning cartoons of all time
2: I have I have a favorite saturday morning cartoon that did not take place on saturday morning doesn't count the reason I call it a saturday morning cartoon is because it had the exact same thing. I watched it as it was airing at the same time every week, talked about it with my friends. That was the only show I really cared about the timeframe of. So it, it took place on the same sort of like mental landscape as a Saturday morning cartoon. It just ha- didn't happen to be Saturday on the calendar. And that's Dragon Ball Z. Ooh, that was a big one. Dragon Ball Z was my Saturday morning cartoon that I cared about, like the schedule, talked about it with my friends.
0: That was like that was my gem. Yeah, but at that point, it was in syndication on Cartoon Network, right?
2: I don't actually think so. I think it. I don't think it had been on syndication. I
0: think it was. Were you pirating it as a young no, child? Off the no, edge?
2: <laughs> no, no. It didn't because it came out in Japan, um, not in parity with a U.S. release. So I guess if you count being released in the U.S. years after the fact as syndication, maybe, but. I had watched it as it was releasing in the US.
1: It was such a huge show that I just didn't get into. We talked about it in the, in the episode of fandoms that, that just blew past us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned, did you pirate that? Uh-oh. Because I have family members <laughs> that did pirate it and then give it to me on, on like a DVD. And I, and I went to go watch it. And the uh, it was like poorly dubbed over like some really <laughs> terrible uh, rip, and it was like scratched all to hell. Oh, and that's I think brutal, dude. One of the main reasons that it bounced off me is because I tried really hard to watch these like three different iterations of different generations of Dragon Ball. Mm. And nope, I can trace the
2: lineage that led me directly to Dragon Ball Z with the two of my best friends at the time because we all had this very like, specific stepping stones into Dragon Ball Z. It started with Pokemon the television show, and that led into Pokemon the trading card game, and then that led into... Hard Drugs. No. That doesn't come till after DBZ. Okay. From Pokemon the trading card game, we transitioned into Yu-Gi-Oh! the trading card game. From Yu-Gi-Oh! the trading card game, we started getting into... Hard Drugs. No. Shonen Jump manga for the Yu-Gi-Oh! mangas, and in Shonen Jump every week, there was a Naruto, Dragon Ball Z... Um, One Piece and Yu-Gi-Oh. So we all started getting into all of those. And then Dragon Ball Z started premiering as the only television show of the Shonen Jump collection at the time on TV. And we all just started watching Dragon Ball Z on TV. And that was it. (laughs) We were gone after that.
1: (laughs) That's crazy. It's all tied in. I wrote down routine when I was thinking about this, this episode, because it was such a huge part of like, not just what I talked with my friends about, but then also like how Saturday mornings would go and then how Saturday afternoons would go. If I went to go hang out with friends afterwards when I caught all of my shows, we would end up catching what you were referring to, Seth, with a little bit of like Inuyasha thrown in there or Gundam um or w- whatever. And it still had the same vibe because we'd be playing video games the whole time. It was like, all right, we're going to do, we're going to play PlayStation or N64 for like, Four hours straight, and then we're gonna catch a show after when we take a break and eat some food, and then go back to playing video games. Hell yeah! It was just so much a part of that, but I think it's like a, a vernacular. Like you, we all had IP that we were surrounding ourselves with, and grew up with. And DT hit on it earlier on that gaming. I think was so much tied into that, especially for me with with Pokemon. It was one of the first games I I like beat by myself. I was like asked for it, purchased this, or I guess my my parents purchased this game. I popped it in, did not talk to anybody, and I just beat it without worrying about anything. <laughs> I was That's right. And it was like second grade. So I i was i was like a huge accomplishment. I was super proud of it. That's a huge
2: accomplishment now, and I'm 32. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: It took a long time, but I brought my Game Boy with me
0: everywhere. Yeah. Fucking A, dude. Yeah.
1: You know
2: what? What's, what I think is interesting is I must have caught these all in syndication or spent more time on Saturday mornings than I thought. I have very few memories of watching Saturday morning t- cartoons, but like all of the mainstays, you're, even early ones like um, like Bobby's World, which was technically before my time, I still have extremely fond memories of watching that show. So that had to have been on a Saturday morning thing because that wasn't on like Cartoon Network or anything. No,
0: it was uh, Fox Kids on Saturday morning. Yeah. I have vivid memories of Bobby's World and Life with Louie and all those, mm-hmm. those Fox shows. For me... I mean, like I said, I grew up in an era where I had like a smorgasbord 10 solid fucking years of Saturday morning cartoons. Like my favorites of all time are like the earlier ones are Transformers. Oh, yeah. Fucking Gen 1 Transformers is just like the fucking OG.
2: It's the best one still.
0: Thundercats. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, that was one of those where the action figures hit before the, the cartoon. And uh, the cartoon started off in like 1988 and I was five. And holy fuck that shit. Transformed and took over my life as a five-year-old, and still to this day, it's one of my favorite fucking things ever. But I grew up in the age of Batman the animated series, which is still to this day the absolute pinnacle of Batman committed to media. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man, X-Men, which is like my fucking soap opera as a nine-year-old kid. Like holy shit, <laughs> Bucky O'Hara, which you guys may not be familiar with. I don't know, is a little nope. bit more obscure. We should, put, you should, you, we we should find a way to watch Bucky O'Hara. It's fucking dope. Okay. But, like, fucking Tiny Toon Adventures. Dude, I love Tiny Toon Adventures. And Animaniacs. And just all those. Tasmania. Tasmania was fucking amazing. Yeah. The WB stuff is what I
1: spent a lot of time watching. Yeah. You know, when they partnered all that together and then Batman became Batman Beyond eventually. You know, the the network kind of hung on to a lot of the IP and kind of evolved it with Generation 2, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Literally with Pokemon, but like with some of these other uh, cartoons. But I remember watching Animaniacs and Freakazoid, and those ones stuck around.
2: Yeah, those are in my list. It's really hard for me to choose a, a proper favorite because, I mean, come on. Just look back at the list. You know yeah. what I will say, though? Recess? I watched a lot of that, too. Dude, Recess is the best. You know what I will say? Batman the Animated Series, I agree with DT. It is the best Batman put to,
0: to any sort of movie. Motherfucker, if you're gearing up to say anything nope. disparaging about uh, Batman nope. the Animated just Series, let, okay. don't
2: pull a Kanye. Let me finish first. I'm
1: gonna pull this podcast over. Alex, you and I
0: just <laughs> you, we came really close to being a duo instead of Bat- a trio.
2: <laughs> Batman the Animated Series is the best, but I did not like it as a child. I could not relate to Batman, and I didn't have like comics or anything. So like I I came to Batman the Animated Series in my like early teenage years, 10, That's fair. 12, 13. Because I had initially bounced off it as a kid, I remember distinctly trying to find something else to watch when Batman the animated series was on. Because I didn't, I could not relate to Batman at all. Did not. I am
0: making a note on the whiteboard on my desk right now that we need to do an episode on Batman the animated series because there's a fucking lot to say there.
2: Oh, you don't have to make a note. It's it's already in the spreadsheet, friend. It's it's Is it's it coming. Really? Yes. I love, I, <laughs> I love you. I put it in there. There's no way I can't <laughs> talk about it. It's so good. It's a great fucking show.
0: Batman the Animated Series or BTAS, if you're a weirdo who likes to speak in acronyms. Very, very, um, very different no, take hold on the character. I'm derailing because
2: because you give me shit about saying Mabim Bam and Taz, and you're gonna <laughs> acronymize fucking Batman the Animated Series? I just no, said
0: people no. who say it that way are weirdos. Well, you
1: you're pronouncing you're pronouncing the acronym. Like earlier I said ATLA, which is pretty common in that
0: family. ATLA. No, I can't yeah, do Yeah, nobody I says av- that.
2: Everybody just says Avatar because it's
1: the same amount of
0: syllables. Yeah, but Batman, the animated series, was a unique animal. And we need to do an episode on that because it was a very unique on not only the Batman mythos, but also how Saturday morning cartoons and cartoons in general were produced. Fucking groundbreaking. ground baking. Ground baking. Really? It was ground baking. Yeah, for sure. Like muffins. Like baked Alaska? Yeah. Fuck me.
2: Is baked Alaska ground
1: baking?
0: Goblin, where are you? That... Please save me. <laughs> Did we turn Goblin back on? Uh, uh, fuck uh... Yeah. Oh, shit.
1: <laughs> is that oh, why it no. looks dirty in here? Maybe. You know, Batman, the animated series, it kicked off the year I was born.
0: Uh, Goblin, please fucking save me.
2: <laughs> I thought it was earlier than that. That's kind of interesting.
1: And I still caught a lot of that show. Like, I, I loved that show. Yeah. It is timeless.
2: I have two honorable mentions that we never talked about that were instrumental to my sense of humor in my life, and that's CatDog and Dexter's Laboratory. Oh, man. I watched Dexter's Lab religiously. It's like one of my all-time favorite shows.
0: Did Goldblum just say,
1: Omelette du Fromage? (laughs) Omelette du Fromage.
0: (laughs) Goldblum said those weren't Saturday morning cartoons, those were Cartoon Network's shows, and they actually contributed to the death of Saturday morning cartoons.
1: Um...
2: Excuse, they were on Cartoon Network, but they aired Saturday mornings. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up,
0: Goldblum. <laughs> done it now. <laughs> All right, it's time for messages from Earth. We're going to take care of those real quick. and We're going to come back with our Deep Space Recon and a question from one of our amazing listeners.
2: I promise I'll turn Goldblum on for next week
1: i And I'm Ann, And we're She Will Rock You. She Will Rock You is a bi-weekly podcast about rock history. Each episode we talk about an artist and their lives, but we do it a little differently. You see, we noticed there was a lack of ladies hosting music podcasts, so we wanted to fix it. And here we are, two badass millennial ladies talking about rock music our parents wouldn't let us listen to. As a bonus, you'll even get our beer recommendations at the end. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember,
0: don't do drugs. Uh, gentlemen. I am primed and uh showered and ready to be segged. Who is who's ready to seg me?
2: Not it.
1: Oh, uh me.
0: Step it up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, family, it's a little weird, but all right. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to be segged.
1: DT, you've been doing some deep space
0: recon, haven't you? I have been doing some deep space recon. Yes, sir. Oh.
1: Excellent. Please report. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, well, uh, Master of Space Commander, uh, during my Deep Space Recon, I have discovered a band based out of New York City called Moonkissed. And I actually oh. discovered them because I was listening to an episode of She Will Rock You, wherein they interview and profile and explain the history of various artists. And they did an episode where they were talking about, and they're actually interviewing a musician called Kitty Cohen. It's a really great episode, and she's a fantastic musician. But Kitty Cohen, during that interview, name-dropped this band called Moonkissed who are based out of New York, like I said. They're a three-piece synth-pop band. And it was one of those things where I was listening to the episode of She Will Rock You in my earbuds on the way to the train, and they name-dropped that, and the episode ended, and I was like, well, I got another 45 minutes to go where I'm on the train and then finishing my walk to work. I'm check out this band. Immediately fucking fell in love with it. Just an awesome three-piece, just super dope band. It's uh, Kaya Cohen. I hope I'm saying that right. If not, I apologize. On vocals. Emily Seguro on synth, and uh, Leah Scarpati on drums. Their story is that they all met at a party in Manhattan's Lower East Side, decided they were going to form a band, and what resulted is just this super kick-ass fucking synth pop band, and everybody knows that I'm a big fan of synth. Mm-hmm. They marry these pop sensibilities with this just really keen ability to create these really tight and super fucking awesome compositions with clever lyrics. They just write these amazing melodies and they have this really, really good knack of transposing these melodies whenever the like the bass drop moment would happen, I guess the cool kids would say. And the composition of the songs and the way they write songs is just incredibly clever. And they're younger. So the songs are all about raw emotions like love and passion and partying and stuff like that. Beneath that surface level, the lyrics are very introspective, and the music is just very, very cleverly crafted. And it's just fucking dope as shit. But beyond the music. They seem like really dope people because it feels like they're just as much about writing and producing really good music and putting on amazing live shows, which from what I've seen on YouTube, their live shows just like, look like the most like, comforting and dopest and like, raddest parties ever. Nice. Like everybody's <laughs> just having a good time and just fucking vibing, which is rad. Yeah. But uh, they're super LGBTQ plus friendly and they seem to be really focused on building a community based on that, but also like inclusion and creating a safe space in their music and their live shows, which is super fucking dope.
2: That's rad. Hell yeah. How, how very metal of them.
0: Right, exactly. Like they, They're very like empowering in both their lyrics and the way they present themselves, and it's all about inclusion and just people are people. Everybody come fucking party with us, which is super rad.
1: I wrote this down, and point of clarification to cut you off really quick, I was writing it down. This is Moon Kissed with an E-D at the end.
0: M-O-O-N space K-I-S-S-E-D, yeah.
1: I assume so. You you articulate well enough. I just want to clarify for all of our listeners just in case.
0: Yeah. Uh, They're on Spotify. Uh, I recommend you start with a song called Strange Satisfaction, which is, I think, the culmination of all the dope shit I was just talking about. It quickly became my favorite song. Uh, I've added it to multiple Spotify playlists. It keeps popping up, and I keep enjoying the shit out of it every time I see it. But again, what I love about these three individuals and what they're doing is the fact that they're all about inclusion. They're all about empowerment. They're all about feeling good but being smart about it and creating this really dope community, but they also have to like, just take no prisoners, make no fucking apologies way about doing what they want to do. Like They have an assault index on their website wherein they have listed myriad sexual assault offenses within the musical industry. They're so, like, Yo. avoid these fucking people because here's, here's a motherfucker who raped somebody, here's a motherfucker who assaulted somebody while they were making their album in the fucking studio, which is so fucking empowering and dope. And like a f- Fuck you to all these motherfuckers who are using the music industry to take advantage of people.
2: That sounds great. Dude, I'm, I'm way into that. Yeah.
0: No apologies. They're doing exactly what they want to do. They're doing it all on their own terms because they produce their own music. And they're like, yeah, no, we write and produce our own music. We put on our own shows because fuck all these fucking animal fucking predators in the musical industry who are just using it to take advantage of people. Dude, let's go. Right? It's super fucking rock and roll. I love it.
2: I'm so into that shit, man. That's that's 11. I mean, you had me at three piece synth pop band, but now (laughs) now I'm like, uh, I'm going to go buy some merch like right fucking now. (laughs) I
0: need a fucking T-shirt. Yeah.
1: It's wild. Like growing up, I always listened to all these four and five piece bands. But as an adult, I, I either prefer like the big grandstand, big bands or two and three pieces. Like, it, that, that's just, like, an era I'm going through, I realized, and I'm stoked to listen to these, these songs.
0: They're just super fucking passionate about what they're doing, and it's wildly infectious, and it carries through into the music, and I've just fallen in love with the band. Like, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan for life now. They're just awesome. Sweet. Yeah, Master and Space Commander, I hope my report was satisfactory. Uh, looking forward to that promotion.
1: <laughs> this is uh, sufficient for this round. Thank you. Okay. All
0: right. <laughs> Dismissed.
1: Wait, no, come back. <laughs> come back. Yeah, we where where am I going to go? We're in a
0: fucking space castle floating through space. There's not a lot of places I can go, but all right.
1: See Goldblum, he'll give you a gold star. Oh,
0: a bloom star?
1: It's a stick-on.
0: Like, when he puts it on you, does he, like, peel it off and, and put it on you? And then he's like, uh, well, well, uh, well, there it is. And then that's it. He walks away. <laughs> or rolls away. <laughs>
1: and it's canon. It is now. And that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, listener question. We have an awesome listener question that uh, if you are a member of our Patreon at patreon.com slash pod, you know that we choose our videos in our pregame videos that we put on that only patrons get to see. And we choose those questions. I don't know what I'm saying. I've had three beers, guys. Alex? Alex, help. <laughs> you're doing great. Yeah,
1: we've got a listener question. This one's coming from from somebody called James. I'm really excited for this question. Basically, if you're a patron, you you can get access to our pregames before before the show where we decide on which listener questions and this one just fits so well into saturday morning cartoons i've been talking about pokemon non-stop and it's not going to stop there so this question comes from james uh which gen one starter pokemon do you think you could take in a fight and before we answer maybe we should find out how people can send in those questions
2: alex I can't believe you've done this to me. I have to stop what I was about to do and tell
0: people how to, oh man, I'm so upset. But also, Alex, that seg was fucking fire. Were you practicing during the the messages from Earth? I wasn't,
2: but thank you. Look, Alex writes good words. We all know this.
1: I don't say them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Writing takes time. Anyway, let's find out where we can send in these questions.
2: Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Space Castle Pod. You can find us on Discord if you're cool. It's in the show notes. Uh, come hang out. You can find us, I mean, kind of just in a state of existential panic most of the time. Mm. Um, you can also send us an email at SpaceCastlePodcast at gmail.com. If you're into this, it seems like it's a requirement, but it's not a requirement. If you want to get drunk... And give us a call on our hotline. Uh, We have one. You can leave us a voicemail that is questions. I say it's not a requirement, which I I feel like I have to say, because (laughs) basically every voicemail we've gotten is from someone who's drunk, which is wonderful, but it's not a requirement. It's great, man.
1: They are lovely.
2: (laughs) You don't have to be drunk. It's okay. It's wonderful and hilarious, but you don't have to. I think my brain refuses to know it, so uh, DT, what,
0: what's our, num- our number? Well, I mean, you guys grew up in an age where you didn't have to memorize phone numbers. I still remember my best friend's phone number, and I always will. But yeah, that hotline number, and you can call us anytime, day or night, because yeah, it's an answering service, and you can't wake us up at 4 o'clock in the morning, but that number is, and you want to dial 1 if you're anywhere outside the United States before you dial the rest of this, 970 591 3577
1: Call us now. Yeah. Let's get into this listener question. Which Gen 1 starter Pokémon do you think you could take? And we're just talking Gen 1 right now. At least that's the specification that James gave us, so. Now, I do
2: have one question. Squirtle. <gasps> you dare? Hold on, hold on. Is is Gen 1 starters video game or trading card game because video game starters include
0: pikachu i'm gonna count pikachu because you had red blue green and yellow pikachu counts in that case absolutely pikachu
1: no way
2: abso fucking you would want to fight pikachu yes i could kick the fuck out of pikachu here's why his electrocution attacks are extremely low amperage they're high voltage so it's gonna sting and tingle but i'm gonna be fine for the most part It's way easier to deal with. Squirtle's got a fucking shell, Charmander's on fire, and Bulbasaur is, like, full of fucking poison ivy and bullshit I don't want to deal with. Mm. He could choose the one I could could take for sure without as much difficulty.
1: Listen, it seems like we're all avoiding Bulbasaur, and I think that's a smart decision.
0: Yeah. I agree, actually. You you know, he's
1: got strangulation there. You know, he got the vine whip. You got the Razor Leaf's. You're gonna get cut up. You're gonna get the shit strangled out of you, and you're gonna get poisoned or your energy sapped, mm-hmm. yeah, or just barbecued by a Solar Beam. Anyway, we can all agree Bulbasaur is the worst decision. He fuck you up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't wanna. I don't wanna deal with Razor Leaf. I don't wanna deal with being electrocuted or zapped. I don't wanna deal with Charmander because fire is bad to people. <laughs> Squirtle is the obvious choice because what is he? He's gonna squirt water at you.
1: He's gonna smack you with that hard shell. But it's the
2: size of a basketball. Like here's how I know that you weren't one of the kids like I was who stood in front of the fire truck on the recreation days in elementary school and got the water cannon blasted at you. You know how I know that because if you did do that, you would not choose fucking Squirtle because
0: <laughs> water cannons <laughs> fucking suck.
2: But Squirtle doesn't but- have
0: that that high pressure, does he? Yeah,
1: he does, dude.
0: He yeah. Really? Yeah, dude, water gun.
2: He fucking blows it out of his mouth and it like it sends people flying. It it's brutal. Squirtle does that. Mm-hmm really yeah he like vomits it out yeah totally
0: i always said squirtle was like because i don't want to fuck with the, the squirtle squad i don't want to deal with those motherfuckers those, those motherfuckers are tough as shit yeah they'll fucking they'll break your kneecaps dude <laughs> yeah but like one individual squirtle i feel like is the one i would want to take on as opposed to any of the other starters because the reasons i named fucking like leaf paper cuts from razor leaf i don't want to get zapped electricity i don't want to be set on fire Give me, give me that water. I'll deal with the. I can sidestep that shit.
2: Electricity is the only one that's not permanent.
0: Water's not permanent?
2: <laughs> see, <laughs> you clearly have not been blasted with a water cannon before. Because it hurts, and it breaks shit, and it leaves
1: huge bruises, and it sucks. Look, alright, it's not Bulbasaur. I don't think that it's Pikachu. I, like, I think Pikachu... Mm, see, I was, you were ready for my hot take? Charmander. No... Charmander would be rough,
2: but he might be the easiest to kill, as sad as that is.
1: Exactly. I've seen the animated TV series. You (laughs) snuff out that candle in the back there on that tail and sayonara. But you know what
2: else he does in the animated TV series? Literally burns down a house. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a good option here, I think is
1: what we're finding.
2: (laughs) There is a good option. It's It's Squirtle. He's, He's a mouse. And you'll just get zapped in for a bit. it's fine. He could choose the right option.
0: But have you ever lost a fight to a turtle, though? I have never fought a turtle. I respected them too much. Fair.
1: I've not lost a fight to an
0: overgrown lizard. so I have which is shocking, <laughs> considering you live in Arizona.
2: <laughs> I have lost to multiple overgrown lizards because Gila monsters are no goddamn joke. Yeah.
1: Oh I, I live <laughs> in the southwest in this this big old desert. I can take the heat. I think i picked Charmander. See, this is perfect for us because I sense a Twitter poll coming here, mm. right? I
2: think we're all in agreement that Bulbasaur is the worst option to fight.
0: I, Oddly enough, yes. Wasn't
1: that your pick for one of our options when Sproticus asked, which would you most likely
0: eat? Oh, absolutely. Roast <laughs> that shit. And it's like fucking Brussels sprouts. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't want to eat Charmander. That would just be weird. I don't know. Maybe it tastes like Rattlesnake. I don't know.
1: Which tastes like chicken, so.
0: Yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to eat Pikachu because he's an electrical mouse. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to eat a rodent. I've never had Turtle, but I've heard Turtle is delicious, so I would probably try Squirtle. But if I had to, I had to eat a Gen <laughs> 1 not, starter... We've already covered this question. Okay, so if you had to fight a Pokemon to the death and eat them afterwards... <laughs> okay.
1: Wait, can we, yeah, can we go off the rails here? Like, Not just a Gen 1 starter Pokemon. Maybe keep it a Gen 1. Which Gen 1 Pokemon would you rather fight?
0: Caterpie. <laughs> That's a pretty good one.
2: Caterpie's a pretty good one.
0: Yeah. Pretty easy. Um just stop on him. I think that's it for me.
2: I think I have already fought a haunter. I've been, <laughs> I've been in haunted houses
1: before. Seth's gotta tell us, he's gonna regale us with his ghost busting days. <laughs> yeah.
2: huh. Yeah, do you guys remember the movie uh, Paranormal Activity? That was actually a documentary of me (laughs) fighting a haunter. God damn.
0: (laughs) It was the weirdest sequel to Pokemon 2000 ever. (laughs) (laughs) So we're all in agreement that it's Squirtle.
2: Squirtle is the second best option. We can definitely agree that Mewtwo is the worst one to fight. Fuck. Period. Of all the Pokemon of any generation.
0: Absolutely. Besides Mr. Mime, because that shit would just be fucking terrifying.
2: Yeah, that would just be brutal. But... Man, Mewtwo would be like fighting a a smarter, stronger me. And that's I'm not into that. That would be terrible.
1: See, I'd I'd take Mewtwo over like 10 Pokemon. Alex, are you okay? You can reason with Mewtwo. He's intelligent. If I fight a golem, he's gonna just turn into a big ass rock and roll me over. Yeah, but the question wasn't if you were
2: potentially gonna get into a conflict, how would you solve it? No, it's you're gonna fight this guy. <laughs>
1: Which one are you going to choose?
2: <laughs>
1: Look, the best way to fight someone is to not do that. <laughs> and if I could reason with Mewtwo, I think I could get out of that The fight. best
2: option is not not to fight. That's not... No, you're going to fight one. <laughs> you got to fight.
0: There's a reason why they made Pikachu one of the original Smash Bros. characters and not Bulbasaur, Squirtle, or Charmander. Because Pikachu is a dangerous motherfucker.
1: That's the thing. Charmander gets harder as he goes up, right? And that's like when you get Pokemon Trainer and
0: when you get... Are we not doing phrasing anymore? Uh. You guys want to end the episode right there? No? Oh. Squirtle.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I think it's incredibly fitting that we each have a different starter Pokemon we've chosen. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Who did you guys
0: pick as your starter? I picked Squirtle. Oh. Oh, really?
2: It depends on the playthrough. I think my original one was Charmander, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay.
0: I had a theory that we picked as our starters the ones we would fear the most and thought were the most formidable. So I was imagining that the one we wanted to fight the least would be the one we would have picked as our starters. But yeah.
1: I had an issue with getting rid of the Pokemon that I caught early on when I first played the game and I wanted Blastoise. So I picked Squirtle and then my best Pokemon at the end were, like a Pidgeot, a, <laughs> a Butterfree. Actually, that Butterfree was was badass because yeah. like sleep powder,
0: side hyperbeam. Beam. It's OP, dude.
1: It was OP. Whew. You could just work your way through the whole Elite Four with one Pokemon.
2: <laughs> Butterfree is the is the kind of guy that would get patched out in today's world. It would get nerfed for sure. hmm Um I would really like to battle Jigglypuff because I could honestly just use a really good night's sleep at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, if I'm being real with
0: you guys. <laughs> oh, I think that's gonna do it for the civil of Space Castle. As always, it is your clubhouse and hours for all things nerdy. We want to thank our good friend Beef Fuck Supreme, aka Brian Levitt, for co-writing our theme song, These Notes. I already told you guys to join the Patreon. I already told you guys to join the Discord. You're gonna find links for those in the show notes. Uh, Squirtle is the one I would least want to fight, and my name's DT.
1: My name's Redline. Alex, part-time librarian, Winnebago thief, King Killer Dude, Master and Space Commander, Molotov Donkey.
2: I'm, I'm Seth, and I would choose Pikachu because I'm positive I could kick the shit
0: out of her mouth. I think he just really wants to fucking punt on Pikachu. <laughs> we're going <we're> to find <laughs> Seth in a
1: Seattle Chuck E. Cheese week from now. <laughs> 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 I told you, Charles.
0: Charles Entertainment.
1: <laughs> it would not be the first time I've been kicked out of a Chuck E. Cheese. I've got an anecdote about Chuck E. Cheese to tell you guys after this podcast, but oh, man.
0: Oh, is it R-rated? Dope. I'm in. Let's go.
1: Bye. Love you.
0: Since our wonderful, amazing patrons chose this as this week's subject, I promised I would do this. And since I try to keep my promises at least 89% of the time, here we go. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, Republic of Dominica, Cuba, Caribbean, Guadalajara, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Jersey, and, and still Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina, and Ecuador, Chile, Brazil, Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Rubina, Bahamas, Tobago, so one, Paraguay, Uruguay, Serum, FHK, and a and Guam. Norway and Sweden nice and Iceland and Finland and Germany now in peace Switzerland Austria, Czechoslovakia, Italy, Turkey and Greece Poland, Armenia, Scotland, Albania, Ireland, Russia, Oman Bulgaria, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, Cyprus, Iraq and Iran There's Syria and Lebanon, Israel, Jordan, Mathieu, Mitzkawain and Bahrain Netherlands, the Luxembourg, Luxembourg, Portugal, France, England and Denmark and Spain India, Pakistan, Burma, Afghanistan, Thailand, Nepal, Bhutan, Cambodia, Malaysia, the Bank China, Korea, Japan, Mongolia, Laos, and the better the Philippines, Taiwan. So we're not going to get so much in New Zealand, the Borneo, and Vietnam. To Morocco, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Mozambique, Zambia, Swaziland, Gambia, Kenya, Nigeria, Ghana. Rwanda, are Soto, Malawi, Togo, the Spanish, Sahara, is gone. Niger, Nigeria, China, Liberia, Egypt, Benin, Gabon, Tanzania, Somalia, Kenya, and Mali, Sierra, Lona, Niger, Nohomi, Nobibia, Senegal, Libya, Cameroon, Caucasus, Ayr, Ethiopia, Guinea, Bissau, Madagascar, Rwanda, Mahomet, Kaman, Hong Kong, Abu Dhabi, Qatar, Yugoslavia. And Mauritania, that's it's Marco there's Malta, Monica, Lincoln, post, just released it,